Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. I'm so glad that you're here today in person and online, and that's just not an empty phrase that we say. Honestly, we mean it. And so when Pastor Dan came up and said the announcements, and he said, for those of you who are here for the very first time, we're glad you're here. We mean it. Uh, It thrills our hearts each week to see you here, and for those of you who are joining us online. Last week, Pastor Dan did a phenomenal job, preached a powerful message. It was so good. If you missed it last week, I would encourage you to watch online at crosspointwaverly.com. Find us on Facebook or YouTube or Spotify and, uh, and listen wherever you can find us there and make sure that you catch up with that message. Pastor Dan, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, it was so fun last week. He got to do what I normally get to do and I got to do what he normally gets to do. And so I sat in the service for uh, most of it, but then I also floated around and got to walk into some of the kids' classrooms and see some of the volunteers and your kids in there. And I tell you, we just have the greatest volunteers and the greatest kids' ministry on the planet. So grateful. So grateful. Well, if I told you there was a book that would make you wise and gain you favor with God and with man, would you read it? Some of you are like, no, I don't read. If there's an audio version of it, I will totally take you up on it. There is, as a matter of fact. So this morning, we're going to start a new series from the book of Proverbs. How many of you want to be wise? Yeah. How many of you want to be ignorant? Cool. I'm so glad that no hands went up just then. The, book, the Bible has a book on how to live wisely, and that book is Proverbs, and I would propose to you that the entire Bible is filled with wisdom that can fill our hearts with wisdom, but uh, Proverbs is a book known for uh, a, a collection of wise sayings from primarily King Solomon. He was the wisest man who ever lived. And the series over the next few weeks is going to look at the multiple nuggets of wisdoms and themes found in the book and consider practical areas of our life that God's wisdom can shape and change how we live. There's so much wisdom found in the Bible, especially in the book of Proverbs, and there are 31 chapters in, in Proverbs. And so I'm going to ask you to join me on a journey over the next month, and I wish this would have started on the first, but it didn't. And I'm going to ask that you would read the chapter of Proverbs that co- would correspond with the date that it is. So today is February Yeah, thank you. Some of you are like, I don't know, my phone's in my pocket right now. Uh, How am I supposed to know? Uh, February 6th. And so today, you can read Proverbs chapter 6. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. As you go on this journey, maybe you'll even repeat this habit or pattern every month. Maybe it will become something that's just part of your normal routine where you would read a a chapter of Proverbs every day. But here's what I'm going to ask you to do, is as you read it, As you see the wisdom that's there, as you apply it to your life, would you come and tell me the stories of how God has blessed you as you've walked in the wisdom that you've read in Proverbs? Will you do that for me? Cool. All three of you, thank you. Uh, uh, I look forward to it. This morning, we're going to look at the idea that a well-ordered life brings contentment. Some of you are like, what is that word, contentment? (laughs) Contentment is a word that doesn't seem to be used much, but it should be. Contentment is the state of being happy and satisfied. 
is being satisfied with what you have, whatever that is. Some of you are like, can we please go get our kids from Kids Church right now and bring them in here for this message? And maybe some of your kids are like, mom and dad, are you listening, right? I think we could all stand to be happy and satisfied. A well-ordered life leads to this, and in case you wonder where the message is going to be, to have a well-ordered life, Jesus has to be number one, right? Jesus has to be number one. I love when the Holy Spirit guides and orchestrates parts of the service. I didn't know what songs they were gonna sing today. Pastor Levinsky didn't know what I was gonna preach today when he sang with that, and Cornerstone just leads straight into this message today, and I just love it when God reinforces an idea to us with multiple different pictures, right? In different seasons, I think that we've all chased after different things. I, uh, when we were in grade school, we chased after, I don't know, it was way too long ago. I have no idea what we chased after in grade school. But in high school, maybe you chased after academics, getting the 4.0. For others, it was athletics, the starting position, the state title. For others, maybe it was the other curricular, extracurricular activities or fine arts. For others, the relationships fitting into whatever group you identified with or even in a dating relationship. Then you graduated from high school and the things that you chased after, the things that you found your identity in were no longer part of your life. But maybe for some of you, you went on to college and some of those things that you chased in high school, you continued to chase in, in college. So maybe for some of you, academics was still that thing that you chased after. You were going to graduate magna cum laude or summa cum laude, and some of you were just like, thank you, God. Uh, I just want to graduate, thank the laude, you know? It's an old joke. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But some of you, that really resonated with some of you. I can understand. Thank the laude. <laughs> thank the laude. Yep. You, you'll use that. Uh, <laughs> uh, Maybe again, for others of you, you continue to chase after arts or athletics or to continue fitting into certain groups or even dating relationships. For others of you, you joined the workforce and nobody cared about your GPA anymore. They no longer cared about uh, what teams you started on and whatever sport that you played and uh, whatever group that you worked so hard to impress the people that you've moved on. And the things that you found your identity and found success in no longer matter. And in every season of life, we can get so caught up chasing the things that don't matter. And if we chase after the things that don't matter, we'll only be left disappointed and unfulfilled. Do you know that not one time have I asked any of our staff members what their GPA was when they were in high school or college? Not one time. And we've got some pretty smart people. Not one time have I asked any of our staff members, and for those of you who were here for the worship arts uh, party that we had uh, last month saw Fisher in his tracksuit, and it was amazing. I mean, amazing. Not one time have I asked any of our staff members how much playing time they got in any of the sports that they played. I've not asked them about their accomplishments in high school or college. And when you're done with school, the academic accomplishments fade. When you're done with sports, the athletic accomplishments fade. Think about Tom Brady, one of the most loved and most hated quarterbacks of all time. Right, And now he's announced his retirement. And so 45 years of his life, who knows, maybe 40 of it, his identity has been in football. And now all of a sudden, he's no longer 
the starting quarterback of the Buccaneers or the New England Patriots. And so if that was his identity, how many know that he's going to have an identity crisis right now? And here's what I think happens for so many of us, is our identity is tied in what we do, not who we are. And so when our identity is that I'm a 4.0 student or that my identity is is I'm the starting whatever on this team or I'm a success or I'm a whatever, I'm just telling you that the enemy is after us to steal our identity. And I just want to encourage us today that our identity would be tied to our relationship with Jesus. And then the things that we do would be the things that we do. Some of you are like, you're just looking at me like this, and I'm just going to tell you. My identity is not that I'm the pastor of Crosspoint Church. Shocking for some of you. My identity first is that I'm a child of God. You need to hear it this morning. All you need to hear it. My identity is that I'm a child of God. Secondly, I am the husband to Erica and the father of Jacob and Juliana. And with that identity, I could do anything and still live a life of fulfillment as a follower of Jesus. But if my identity is that I'm the pastor of Cross Point Church, then things are out of order. And so for you, think about what you do vocationally. And if your identity is what you do vocationally, if something changes, then you're going to be left disappointed and unfulfilled. Are you tracking with me this morning? I've completely gotten away from my notes, and I'm scared to even look down to see where I'm at. When Jesus is our priority, when our identity is found solely in him, then whatever the season of life is more fulfilling. And so then in anything, in any season, grade school, high school, college, career, military, singleness, marriage, kids, no kids, fame, or success, when Jesus is first, and he is our identity, then that is who we are, and then these are other things that we do. And so you're going to experience success and failure in your life. It's just going to happen. And when you do, and your identity is tied to Christ, then your identity is as a follower of Jesus, and failure or success is what you experience, not your identity. So again, you got to hear it this morning, because some of you are looking at events in your life or moments of success or failure, and you've turned those into your identity, and those are just moments and snapshots. They're not your identity. Let your identity be in Jesus. So what are the most important priorities in your life? Is it a little crowded for Jesus right now? I want us to look right now at Proverbs chapter 3. You can go ahead and turn there in your Bibles, Proverbs chapter 3. You can scroll on your digital devices. It's also going to appear on the screen. Proverbs chapter 3, we get some nuggets of truth. And then what happens if we follow or obey those nuggets of truth? So here's what verse number 1 of chapter 3 says. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make, your, make straight your paths. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you so much for your word. 
and for the power that it has to transform our lives. We ask that over the next few moments that we would sense a demonstration of your spirit's power. Would you make your word come alive to us in Jesus' name, amen. Verse number one gives us the first nugget. And it says, don't forget God's teaching. And in order for us to obey this nugget, we first have to know what God's teaching is, right? We can't forget something that we don't already know. And so how do we get to know God's teaching? I'm glad you asked. There's this incredible book called the Bible that's God's word for us. It has his teachings in it for us. And so we can open it up and we can read it. Another way that we can learn and know God's teaching is by coming to services like this and hearing preaching from the word of God. Another step is for us to be part of small groups. And so church services in small groups should simply be supplements to your personal time with God. You can look at me and see that I am not a perfect picture of fitness. It hurts when you laugh, I'm just telling you. But I understand that there are things called supplements that when you partner them with the hard work of exercise help you fulfill your fitness goals. Taking supplements and not doing the work is not going to help you accomplish your fitness goals. And if you do spiritually, like that analogy, if all we do is attend a service, and we're not reading our Bibles, and we're not part of a small group, we're not going to accomplish the spiritual goals that God has for us. So let me paint it in a different picture for you. There are 1,189 chapters in the Bible. I've shared this illustration once before, but I'm going to share it again. 1,189 chapters in the Bible. If I were to stand up every single week and preach an entire chapter out of the Bible, it would take us nearly 23 years for us to get through the whole Bible. So why am I telling you this? Because Proverbs says to not forget the commandments of God. And in order for us to not forget the commandments of God, we have to know the commandments of God. And we're not just going to be able to lay in our beds at night just like you did when you were a student and put the book over your face and by osmosis say, God, would you please just everything that's in this book, would you make it come into my head, right? It's not gonna happen. So the way that we know God's commands is we do those three things. We read the Bible, we attend church regularly, we are part of a small group, and those three things, attending church and small groups, supplement that personal time with Jesus and help us reach our spiritual goals. So I wanna encourage you to personally read the Bible, attend church regularly, and be part of a small group. It's not too late to be part of a small group. Pastor Dan's sitting right over there, he's gonna wave. If you wanna be part of a small group and you're like, I've got to accomplish my spiritual goals this year, I wanna know God's word and I wanna be able to do that in a small group of community, talk to him at the end of the service. And when you partner all three of these together, you're going to accomplish those spiritual goals. He says, do not forget God's teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. This is a nugget of wisdom that we see in this passage and right after this nugget of wisdom, we see what happens if you practice or live by this wisdom. It says the result is found in verse number two, for length of days and years of life and peace, they will be added to you. Length of days and years of life and peace, they will be added to you. Wisdom will add both the quantity and the quality uh, to your years. And I know some of you have quoted the scripture to your kids, but you've like maybe quoted the inverse of this. Boy, <laughs> if, if you don't listen to me, your life might be cut short. How many know what I'm talking about? It makes sense that if we obey the wisdom of God, 
that the quantity and quality of our years will be better. His way is the best way. And so when we follow his way, we won't get to the end of our race of faith and look back and say, I wasted the time that I had. Instead, as we make Jesus our priority, as we obey his commands, then we'll look back with joy because we've lived his way. It's not just enough for us to remember God's commands, we also have to act on that remembrance. Keeping God's commandment is a matter of life and death, and we might say it's too hard, or I'm too busy, I don't have time for that, but doing so would be like being a lifeguard who remembers all the techniques to save someone from drowning, but doesn't act on that knowledge when the opportunity presents itself. The next nugget that we see of wisdom is found in verse number three. It says, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you, bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. These are the same words that Moses gave to the Israelites in Deuteronomy chapter six. It says, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What a weighty responsibility that we have. And not only learning and obeying the commandments of God, but passing that on to the next generation. When we follow this nugget of wisdom, verse number four tells us what the result will be. It says, so that you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. You'll find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. So in all of our striving, in all of our chasing to win man's approval, we see a different order here. The Bible tells us to learn and obey, to not forget the commandments of God, to bind them on your neck, teach them to the next generation and live by them. And it says when you do this, then you'll find success and favor in the sight of God and the sight of man. Jesus says in Matthew chapter six, verse number 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these other things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. When we prioritize our life with God as number one, then we'll experience the blessing of God. And Proverbs says that we'll find favor and good success in the sight of God, which is primary, right? Isn't that who we ultimately wanna find success with, is with God? We want to know that what we're doing is pleasing to him. But after this, he adds that not only will we find success and favor with God, we'll also find it with man. I want to find favor with both. I want to find favor with man and with God that I might lead man to Jesus. Some of you are like, I don't care what anybody thinks about me, right? But I'm just telling you, if you're a follower of Jesus and you're trying to win others to Jesus, It might be good for you to think every now and then what somebody who's lost thinks about you. That you may be able to win them over for Jesus. And so if you find success in family or career or academics or athletics or arts or whatever, seek God first. Position him as number one in your life and let everything else be second. Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these other things will be added to you. And this verse is in the context where Jesus is saying, don't worry about tomorrow. Look at the birds of the air, I take care of them. Look at the lilies of the field, they don't toil or work, but yet they grow. Look at how I clothe the grass of the field, and if I take care of these three things, 
then why in the world would you not think that I'll take care of you? A well-ordered life can be found in determining right priorities and putting those first in your life. So what's most important to you right now? It's not hard to determine this. It's reflected in how you spend your time and how you spend your money. Proverbs chapter 30, verse number says, 7 through 9, shows us a wise understanding when it comes to our possessions. It says, two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. The author of Proverbs 30 asked God to surround him with truth in verse number seven. And then this very interesting countercultural second request. Provide only that which is needed. This request can be so alien compared to our insatiable desire for more. The author of Proverbs would say, just provide for me that which is needed. And he explains, and he gives the reason in verse number nine for his request. He says, lest I be full and deny you and ask, who is the Lord? Look, we've all seen it or experienced it in our own lives or in the lives of others. I think about uh, in our lives of chasing for more and more, and we thought that those things would satisfy or fill us up. And, and too often in those moments, in those things, they squeeze out God. So there are two illustrations that I can think of uh, from, one from when we, I did college ministry a, a lifetime ago. There would be students that would come to me, and they would say, please pray, I've got this opportunity to potentially be an RA, and this is how it would change my life, and it would be amazing if I could become an RA, and we would pray with them and believe for them, and they would become RAs, and guess what would happen? We would never see them again. Because the very thing that they thought would bring fulfillment in their life simply just squeezed out the more that God wanted for them. A lifetime ago, as an associate pastor at a church, a family decided that they would build their dream home. And in order for them to build it the way that they wanted it, as large as they wanted it, with the amount of resources that they had, meant that they would be the ones who would be doing the majority of the work to make it happen. And so there was this line of, once we get this done, then we'll be back, pastor. And the dream and the thing that they chased after didn't leave them fulfilled in their relationship with God. Instead, it squeezed God out. And I just wonder, in our own lives, what are we chasing after? What's this goal? What's this thing that we've set out that if magically, if we could just receive that, then our lives would be drastically different or whatever or whatever. And again, I just come back to let's do this. Let's chase after Jesus. Let's seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and then let all these other things be added unto us. This is the trap that the author of Proverbs chapter 30 recognized, that when our life is filled with possessions or pursuit of material gain, it gets a little crowded for Jesus. And listen, this morning, I'm not preaching about you having stuff. I'm just saying, where's Jesus in the midst of all of your stuff? To live the life that Proverbs 30 talks about, we have to have the full trust and confidence in God. And so we go back to Proverbs chapter 3 where we started this morning in verse number 5 starts with trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
Another great nugget of wisdom for us this morning, to trust God entirely with all your heart. God expects and demands an undivided commitment to himself. In the Old Testament, we see too often Israel had their loyalty divided between the Lord and the false gods of the nations. And if we're not careful, we'll slip into that same trap. We'll be tempted to trust the wisdom of the world rather than the wisdom of God. Psalm 119, 113, the psalmist writes, I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. The very first of the Ten Commandments is to have no other gods before him. And Jesus said in Mark chapter 12, verse number 30, the most important is, here, oh, in talking about the most important commandment, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The writer of Proverbs, verse number five, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. How many know that's so good? It's so good. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. We're to trust God exclusively and to not lean on our own understanding. I hope that you know that your wisdom, my wisdom, anybody else's wisdom in this room pales in comparison to God's wisdom. Yet too many people lean on their own understanding rather than God's. Many make crucial life decisions in areas such as marriage or finances and vocation not based upon God's revealed word, but instead their feelings. And Proverbs tells us that man's feelings are unreliable. In Proverbs chapter 14, verse number 12, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Proverbs 28, 26 says, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. <laughs> whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. Those are, are very clear words, right? The wise man does not lean on his own understanding, but instead trusts that God's way is the best. The one who chooses his own way arrogantly claims that he knows better than God. And Proverbs also warns us against being improperly influenced by other people. In Proverbs chapter 29, verse number 25, the fear of man brings a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. I think it's great to get counsel from family and from friends. But I also think that we need to make sure that we have the courage to risk their disapproval when scripture points us in a different direction. Another area where we trust God exclusively is with our salvation. Salvation happens when we repent of and we stop trusting in our own goodness and wisdom and put our faith in what God has done for us in Christ. Verse number six says, in all your ways, acknowledge him in everything. Some people think that they can compartmentalize their faith in their life. At church, I can be this person. On the field, I can be another. In my workplace, I can be another. In class, I can be another. But in every area of our lives, we are to look for the wisdom of God and to let his light shine in all areas. We trust in him and how we run our families. We trust in him with our education, our careers, our finances, and our relationships. He's the Lord of all. Abraham Cooper said, in the total expanse of human life, there's not a single square inch of which the Christ, who alone is sovereign, does not declare that is mine. I love that. In the total expanse of human life, there's not a single square inch of which the Christ, who alone is sovereign, does not declare that's mine. The wise person not only looks to God's will in the big decisions of life, but also in the day-to-day. -day. Nothing is too small for God's attention. 
One commentator said it's self-idolatry to think that we can carry on even the most ordinary matters without God's counsel. What is the result of acknowledging him in all of our ways? Verse number six says he will make your paths straight. The person who trusts God entirely, exclusively, and extensively will enjoy success in life. And right after this, Jesus said to, right after Jesus said to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto us. He gave some instructions to pray like this. In Matthew chapter 6, verse number 9, we find the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Remember the words of the Proverbs in chapter 30, verse number 8. He said, feed me the food that is needful for me. The Hebrew word for food is lechem, which is usually translated bread. And now in verse number 11 of Matthew chapter 6, it says, give us this day our daily bread. When our priorities are in order, Jesus is our daily bread. He's the only one that satisfies. It's an encounter with Jesus in our lives that changes everything for us. He's all we need. And when we have him, we have more than enough. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he had a meal with his disciples, a very simple meal of bread and juice. And I'm gonna encourage you to take the elements in your hand, those of you who are watching at home, feel free to participate with us as well. And what Jesus was saying on this night is that if you have me, you have all you need. And so whatever you face in life, he says, come back to this. Remember me. And so on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks. And he says, this is my body, which is broken for you. And so this morning, I want us, before we partake of this bread, to, to look inwards and say, God, what have I been chasing after? Have I chased after remembering you and remembering your commandments and making you number one in my life? Or God, have I failed and failed miserably? And so this morning as we close this part of the service, as we think about what Jesus has done for us, may it allow us to examine our hearts and say, God, I want my life to be in alignment with you. And this morning, God, I wanna position you as number one in every area. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your love for us. For your son that gave his life for us. And this morning we reflect and we say thank you that God, we have you and you are more than enough. And so we repent for the times of chasing after things that don't matter and putting you in second place or third place or last place. And this morning as we remember the sacrifice that you paid for us, God, we say we want you to be number one. Forgive us from our past and help us today 
to learn, to know, and to obey your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's partake of the bread together. same night he took the juice and he said this is my blood that's been poured out for you and we recognize this morning that Jesus' shed blood on the cross is what enables us to have forgiveness of sins it should humble us right it should cause us to never forget what he went through so that we could have right standing with him let's pray Jesus we thank you for the blood that was shed for us, for the willingness that you had to endure the cross and endure the shame so that we could have relationship with you. And so again, this morning, we pray that your Holy Spirit would settle these words deep into our spirit, that today that we would make a commitment to know your commands, to obey your commands, to never forget them and to live by them, that the years of our life may be long and that the quality of our life may be as well, that we would experience favor with God and with man so that we can lead man to you. Jesus, we ask that as we remember your sacrifice today, that you would continually remind us to chase after the things that have eternal importance. Help us keep you first in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake of the juice together. You can place your cups underneath the seat in front of you. The host will grab those at the end of service today. I'm going to invite everybody to stand. We've had this opportunity for the word to be delivered this morning and for us to reflect in communion. Now the worship team is going to lead us in a song. This is gonna be our response time to him. And so I just wanna encourage you, whatever you're dealing with this morning, that you would put aside every distraction and that you would take it to God. The prayer team's gonna move forward. They're gonna make their way out of their seats even now. If you've come today and you're like, I want prayer in this specific area today, then I would encourage you as soon as the worship team uh, begins to sing out in the song that you would step out of your seat and come forward. But for those of you, for others of you, that you would take that spot where you are right even in your chair now, and that you would take this opportunity as the worship team leads us in this song to reflect on your life and reflect on what God's speaking to you this morning. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.